Hello and welcome to Bike Tales. Today I'm heading to Lansdowne Park to meet Gabe, a man who is about to take his family and his bikes many miles from Ottawa on a big, life-changing adventure. Gabe was actually the first person I interviewed for this season and his story starts on a blisteringly cold December day, but it spans many months and brings us right up to the day this podcast is released. Lansdowne Park is a 40-acre urban park on the Rideau Canal. It's a confusing mixed outdoor community space with some retail, a stadium and a skate park. There are big spaces, a lot of tarmac and cars in places that feel like they should be pedestrianised. I'm meeting Gabe here because it's close to his home, but I discover too late it's also very exposed to the winter wind, as you'll notice at times during the early parts of this recording. The pandemic made many of us reconsider our options. Many sold homes and moved to the countryside. Some left jobs they felt unappreciated in, and others used it as a moment to reconsider everything and make a big life leap. Gabe, his wife Lynn and son Wren were living in an apartment in Ottawa when they felt it was time for a life change. My wife found a job opportunity in the Northwest Territories in a small town called Fort Smith. It was just enough of an opportunity and an adventure for us to be able to do something like that that we probably won't get to do again. And so we decided to jump on it. So at some junction in early 2022, we'll be moving to a small town in the Northwest Territories called Fort Smith. It's got a population of about 2,500 people. This is actually the second big decision that Gabe and his family made during the pandemic. The first happened in April 2020, when the car they had leased became a financial drain rather than a useful asset. We have six months left on the lease. Why don't we just cut it early? Because this global situation seems to be here for a little while. And so in May, we just decided, you know what, let's do it. So we bought out the lease. At that junction, if we wanted to get around the city, I would bike. Lynn had her own bike, and we would go individually because Ren was still too small to, you know, safely put him in a bike seat. And then Lynn had been researching for a little while, uh, you know, different cargo bikes, and we reached out to a cycling shop in Toronto who had a Babawi Mini that someone else had cancelled an order for. For those who don't know it, the Babui Mini is what I would call a bucket-style cargo bike. It's about seven foot long, the rear part of it looks like a normal bike, and the front part has a compact box which can hold one or two small children. Being a Mini, it's slightly smaller and more agile than some Dutch-style cargo bikes, but it's still bigger than a standard bike. Having discovered a real enjoyment of cycling as family transportation, the move to Fort Smith, where snow can be on the ground for more than half the year, would have been daunting for many. But in its favour, Fort Smith is also a small town, perhaps even a model of a 15-minute neighbourhood. And so, away from the extreme temperatures of winter, Gabe hopes it will be very bikeable. One of the things that I'm really excited about is that we're bringing all our bikes with us. I really hope to be able to to bike the majority of the year within town. Far from his new home, Gabe found the internet useful in researching the viability of cycling in the Northwest Territories before he moved there. He discovered biking was popular, 
but as a sport, not a way to get to the grocery store. Gabe hopes it's not too big a leap to move from one to the other. A lot of people go to the north to bike pack. I've had some people on Twitter tell me that like some of the best bike packing they've ever done is in the Northwest Territories. So I don't think that there's necessarily a huge leap to kind of connect the enjoyment that you can get from biking as exercise to the utility. Gabe and his family have now been in Fort Smith since March. I've been following their journey on social media, so I know it's been a long winter and a slow spring, and I wanted to know how the expectations of cycling in the far north have matched up with the realities. So at the start of summer, I gave him a call and was surprised to find that his family had been out cycling in the snow immediately after they arrived. So as soon as we got here, my wife had to start working at the office, which is about a kilometre away. And so she biked with her fat bike from the first day she went to the office. Up here in Fort Smith, which is kind of right at the 60th parallel, it's a a part of the world, I think in places in Alberta as well, where they don't use salt because it's just too cold and it doesn't do anything. So all of the roads are just compacted snow mixed with gravel and sand. So it was actually quite easy to bike. And so Lynn did that every day. This method of creating a compacted snow surface to drive on rather than clearing snow is something I've experienced living in the prairies. And at the right temperatures, it works surprisingly well. A means, much to the envy of some of Gabe's Ottawa friends, that Fort Smith's multi-use paths are accessible for biking all year round. There is a multi-use path that sandwiches a portion of the town, running east and west. And they maintain that all year round. Similar to the road where it's not plowed to pavement, but it, they just pack it down. So we were able to walk and bike on that anytime we wanted. You run into some sketchy times in the spring when everything's melting, certain parts get icy at night, you know, I mean, maintenance issues. But definitely an effective method to maintain a really smooth and safe surface to bike with any size of tire. Spring arrived about six weeks after Gabe's family did after what many locals say has been an exceptionally hard and long winter. The roads were ploughed in mid-April, but even before then, as the weather warmed up, the number of cyclists started to increase, and one of the biggest groups on the roads were children, who this far north have a special kind of freedom on the roads. There was still lots of snow on the roads. The roads were still packed down when the kids up here started riding their bikes on nice sunny days when it wasn't really cold. Just ripping around and all over the road and just really enjoying themselves, having a good time. And it's kind of the predominant theme that you see. We live right across from a park called Kid City. And there's just crowds of kids all the time. They'll bike from wherever their home is and they'll just bike together to the park. There's never any parents around. It's one of the aspects of a small town that everyone likes to yearn for, that there's that safety and that kind of an ability for children to do that, but also that other people in town will look out for kids who aren't their own. When they packed up their Babooey Mini in Ottawa, they didn't really know what the cycling scene would be like in the Northwest Territories. But Gabe had a hunch that they might end up with the most northerly cargo bike in Canada. So I was keen to see what type of bikes he'd seen on the streets. Haven't seen a cargo bike. But one of the parents who I connected with up here, she had an e-bike with a tuli stroller. 
it was nice to see. And then since then, I've seen teenagers riding around on e-bikes. Since we've been here, there's a gentleman who I think is a mechanic, who is also kind of the town bike mechanic, who has become a distributor for an e-bike brand up here. It's not rare to see e-bikes pop up for sale on like the Facebook groups. As well as being used for Lynn's commute, the cargo bike also gets used regularly for grocery runs. But one thing Gabe and Lynn didn't bank on was how quickly their son would grow and change. Though Ren still fits in the babooey's box, his growing independence means more and more he wants to travel under his own steam. I think one of the biggest challenges has been he's three now. He very much has a mind of his own and he wants to bike. So we tried probably about a month ago where we did a couple of trips with him where we were all on our bikes. He was on his Strider bike. And I think the first time we went, he went maybe almost four kilometers. He was just couldn't get enough. Moving to Fort Smith has meant that Gabe's family now has a backyard and a good sized basement. So they've been able to put the extra space to good use to give Ren room to cycle at home. For the first few months, they did that inside. And then, when the snow cleared, things got even better. Lynn built a bike course in the backyard with, like, levered ramps and the whole bit. Sometimes Lynn and I will get on our bikes and do it with him. And, you know, he just yells and screams in delight and just we go and go and go and go in circles. It appears Gabe and his family's explorations into cycling in the Northwest Territories have been an early success. They did have to venture into car ownership again in order to move there, but the vehicle has been rarely used since. Fort Smith has higher rates of cycling in the local community than they expected. Lynn's been able to commute by bike, and there's been the unexpected bonus of having space for a backyard obstacle course. But Gabe hasn't quite told me the full story. There's something he says for the end that I didn't see coming. How are you getting on? <laughs> I was thinking about this because I was like, you know, maybe we can let people find out on the podcast, but uh, we're going to be coming back to Ottawa in October. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Gabe, Lynn and Wren took a leap to move 5,000 kilometres north because the pandemic taught them that life is too short not to seize opportunities. But that same urge to get the most out of life is now calling them back to the city that they left a few months ago. The financial burden of moving again so soon will be significant. It'll make more sense to sell some of their possessions instead of moving them. Perhaps their cargo bike will also be left behind in Fort Smith. A small way of leaving their mark on the cycling community there. I'm heartbroken for them that the move didn't pay off. But I'm relieved that once again, they are following their hearts. The big thing that Lynn and I realized, and this is just something that the two of us were just going to have to learn in the expensive way. We had never lived somewhere longer than two years. We realized that we really loved Ottawa. And both of us had individually, but also together, just come to this place where like, we want to put roots down. I don't think it's something that comes to everyone at the same time. And my therapist said to me, maybe what happened was that you had already started putting roots in and then you ripped them out. I first heard that Gabe was moving at the same time we found out we would be moving back to the UK. 
Quietly, I took comfort in seeing firsthand that life is always evolving, the cast of characters always changing. But now it's my turn to move on whilst he's returning. I know it won't be easy for him, but I've got to admit, I'm a little envious. That's it for this season of Bike Tales. Living and cycling in this city has been a huge education for me. It's opened my eyes to transport equity and the future of the urban environment. My next stop is my hometown of Chichester on the south coast of England. It's not progressive or big, and its infrastructure is hugely lacking. But for those reasons and more, I think it'll make a fascinating subject for season two. If you're following this podcast in your favourite app, please continue to do so. And if you want to be alerted when season two goes live, please sign up on the mailing list at storiesolutions.net slash biketales. To everyone in Ottawa, and especially the Opbike community, thank you for sharing your city with me. And because I don't want to say goodbye, I shall say au revoir.